Welcome to Bite Size Dental Marketing. Today I have Dr. Dominic Fafidio with me. Dr. Fafidio is the former owner of Katie Troll Dental, and which is an incredibly competitive area. I didn't realize how competitive it was until we uh, went down there for a photo shoot the first time. Mm -hmm. And during that, you exited most of the insurance plans that you were on. You, at the same time, you were a competitive CrossFitter, and now you lead Fafidio Consulting Group. Dr. Fafidio, it's been so wonderful to have get to have known you so long and we got to watch your office grow through all those years, but I would love to hear your version of how you got started in dentistry and how you came to start the Fafidio Consulting Group. Yeah, it's really good to see you again. I know it's been a while since we worked together because mm -hmm. like you said, your group calls us a success story for uh, mm -hmm. dental marketing. I mean, you did come down to the trail. I remember seeing you in our our makeshift uh, waiting room at the first location that we were at, which was That's right. like renovated home, essentially. Um, I won't go all the way back to infancy or how I chose to become a dentist, but I was running Katie Trail Dental. We had moved to our new location, coronavirus hit, and I was looking for a new challenge. I consider myself a lifelong learner. I have my fellowship with the AGD and I was reviewing the insurance aging report with Maria and Emily, my front office administrative team. Mm. And I would be looking at these claims that would be sitting there for not the normal 30, 60, even 90 days. And I would be asking them, why is this claim still pending? Why has it not been closed? What's the follow-up? And they would tell me that the claims were not being paid. And I was looking at the clinical documentation saying, there is no reason this claim should be denied. So I started doing peer-to-peer -peer calls and exercising my right to speak with a dental clinical claim reviewer and started developing a relationship with two of the main consultants in Texas that shortly afterwards I asked, hey, are you looking for some part-time help? I brought in an associate and I started working for the insurance companies part-time while still the main dentist and owner over at Katie Trail Dental. There's a lot of information in the insurance realm and we're not privy to it as dentists. I mean. What we have to learn is so technical and so niche, and we expect to have a business team that will help with a lot of the questions that we have around dental insurance and navigating that insurance landscape, optimizing our benefits. But a lot of it comes down to clinical documentation. So long story short, went to go work for the insurance companies, was promoted within, I just have that type of work ethic that people recognize that she could do something really great for us. and. There were a lot of workplace inefficiencies. So I started to look at AI and see how I could incorporate it into the company I was currently working for. And a artificial intelligence company just stole me. So I went to go work for artificial intelligence and they have practice products, but they also have insurance products. And I was one of the main clinical managers uh, co-creating insurance, artificial intelligence uh, methods for radiograph analysis for the insurance companies. And I have since exited because I have a lot of information to give. There was an article in the AGD Impact, which is a news magazine for members of the AGD, that said about 74% of denials by a large payer when they did an analysis were administrative in, in mm -hmm. nature. Mm -hmm. So sure. after an appeal process, that means only 7 to 8% of claims are actually denied. But if you're in a dental practice, you're feeling like, there are a lot more claims than seven or 8% being denied. So I'm really hoping to bring some clinical alignment to the provider's office and say, this is what we're looking for when you're submitting a crown. If these things exist and that's why you're doing the crown, communicate it. And this is how I recommend you communicate it. 
Mm -hmm. So I never want to um, correct our podcast host, but also not a competitive CrossFitter. You're the one that does the CrossFit. I was competitive in weightlifting. Weightlifting. No. Pretty new. Oh my gosh. That's see. We're still learning things about each other. We are. No, I was a power lifter in college and only did CrossFit because Ted dragged me. But I think I saw you at a CrossFit gym, perhaps. And that's where I made the connection. Yes, the weightlifting. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I do remember we did talk about powerlifting Mm -hmm. early on. Mm -hmm. But that's how long I've known you at this point. I know it. It's pretty wild. Now, at 48 years old, I'm I'm not out there trying to powerlift anything. I'm just trying to keep my hips mobile and not lose my grip. You've got a hook grip or use straps, but also if you have that CNS fatigue, one of the first things to go is your grip strength. But I'm realizing that I cannot stretch the way I like to and then go right into weightlifting because I will chronically be injured. But mm. that's an aside. So. That's a side. side. Now, I, ha- I have a question back to on insurance. The 80-20 rules everywhere. And as you started talking about insurance, I, I, we have the same problem on bad reviews. There are very, very bad clinical reviews. Most of the reviews we see in the dental practice, about 82%, are uh, administrative or billing in nature. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I, it completely makes sense that that would, you know, the 80-20 rule would sort of apply to the, to the insurance claims. Do you, in your experience, do you think that 20% of the office probably generate 80% of the administrative <laughs> claim problems? Like, there, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it almost based on the strength of their the, the office team around and, and the overall culture of the office? Or is there something I, I don't know about it? That's a really good question. And I like to see the administrative problems um, as compounding. Because if you have one claim that maybe you're just missing this one valuable piece of information, the key critical component that the insurance company needs to see in order to give this the check mark to say, yes, benefit determination is we are recommending these benefits. Um, it can keep going around and around in this appeal process, which is expensive for the office. It's expensive for the insurance companies. And a lot of offices think that the insurance companies do not wish to pay out benefits on treatment that's rightfully um, within Hmm. the realm of paying these benefits out. And that's not the case. The insurance companies just want to receive the correct documentation so that they can screen it for their criteria to say, yes, it checks all the boxes. Let's pay this out. Let's not tie up our phone lines with you calling in with questions and asking to speak with claim reviewers. Let's not have your office going through this appeal process over and over again. So to answer your question, it's not black and white. There are a couple insurance companies that if there's a single crown being billed, which I was very often submitting one single crown, it's not even reviewed. They will look Mm. at frequency, make sure that there's nothing Uh, no red flag, make sure there's no waiting period and allow it. But then there are insurance companies that will review every single crown. So they're looking to say, is there a PA? Um, Is there decay in a way that cannot be restored with a direct restoration like a filling? Was there a root canal treatment? There's a list of things that they're looking for in this internal thought process that goes through this manual review. So I can't say if it's 20% of the dentistry is causing 80% of the administrative claim um, problems, but when I was a clinical claim reviewer, I felt like I was seeing the same claims over and over again. And I can't just pick up the phone and call an office unless they request to be called. So there were times I'm saying, yes, finally, I could just speak with someone and say, all I need is this. 
And I think EOD language, it doesn't always clearly communicate that. But if an office starts to develop a keen awareness as to what is being reviewed upon, this will make everything a much more predictable process. So then maybe it won't be 80-20. Maybe it'll be 90-10 mm -hmm. or 95-5. I can definitely see it because I know that I personally get into these habits to where I think I'm doing it the right way. Mm -hmm. I'm getting feedback. It's not, but the feedback is not actionable for me to actually do anything different with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. Now, when you were, when you were in this, what was the biggest mistake that most offices made? That's a really good question. And I would say that as a dentist, we want to practice preventative dentistry. We want to prevent catastrophic failure from happening. We want to prevent the um, that that is preventable from happening. From a dental insurance standpoint, if there's specifically cracks on a tooth around a large silver filling, it doesn't necessarily mean from the insurance standpoint that medically that tooth needs a crown. There has to be some symptomatology. There has to be some testing. There has to be some proof that that crack is actually propagating in a way that would um, qualify for benefits. So mm -hmm. that was one of the glass shattering moments that I had when I transitioned to being a consultant for clinical claims adjudication, where someone had said, just because there are cracks around a large silver filling, it does not mean a crown is necessary. Yes, that tooth will benefit from having a crown, but that's a different conversation with your patient. Then it's saying, hey, to prevent this tooth from fracturing in a way that's unpredictable and potentially needing a root canal, a core buildup, um, a post and core, potentially crown lengthening and potentially still not being able to save the tooth. Let's practice full coverage dentistry now to prevent those from happening. Dental insurance mm. is not, it's a benefit plan. It's not insuring you against what could happen. So if that tooth is symptomatic at that time or that crack is actually running through the tooth in a way that can be documented and proven to the insurance company, then those benefits will be paid. So if you're doing it for that reason, this is a no brainer. Document it correctly, submit the appropriate documentation. It's stemming from the clinician, making sure that they are putting it in the medical record. Um, but if you're doing it for any of these other reasons, then communicating to the patient that you have a dental benefit, but maybe not benefits from the insurance company. How are you going to from from the clinical side from the entrepreneur owning your own practice side to now you know all this domain knowledge that you've gained from working with insurance companies on things talk to me about the approach of tying it all together into the video consulting group and you know what would like an ideal client and ideal engagement look like for you mm -hmm. It's still very fluid and amorphous. I have acquired a tremendous amount of career capital, as I'm calling it at this point. I have reviewed for 21 clients, and that's a lot of insurance companies when they're all very similar at some point. And then I've had discussions in detail with insurance companies about why do you reimburse it this way? Because I'm setting up your artificial intelligence to try and mimic what the clinical claim reviewer is doing. So what I've done is I have developed a structured improvement activity where I work with an office and I can physically come into the office, but I've designed it to be done virtual in nature, where I go over an overview of what's happening with the insurance companies, go over key terminology, and then I break it down and I say, okay, crowns, onlays, veneers, initial crowns versus replacement crowns. These are the things that are being looked at. 
And then here are clinical use case examples. Dr. Baram Najad, the current owner at Katie Trail Dental, she let me come in and I pulled examples from claims that I remember calling on over and over again that I had all the right clinical documentation, but I was only submitting pieces of it because I thought that's all the insurance company needed. And after four or five appeals, I finally got to the insurance company the information they needed to have those claims paid. So now what I'm doing is telling the, um, telling the provider's office, if you're doing it for this reason, like I was in this example, all you need to do is highlight this portion right here and make this much more predictable. Mm -hmm. And we go through a whole bunch of use cases. I've also created templates to remind the provider to go through the mental checklist and say, okay, do I need to put this in my notes? Do I need to put this in my notes? So that way it's in your signed and locked patient record. And when time comes to make the submission to the insurance company, your office manager can go in and take out the appropriate parts, just take an excerpt of it and send that off as your clinical narrative because a narrative has a lot of impact. I'd also love to go over maybe a couple cases from specific offices that they consider troublesome claims. And I can never tell someone what to do to get their claims paid. There has to be that dental etiology there. And I'm helping them learn what exactly to communicate but they may just have to learn from these failed claim submissions the first time around because they don't have the appropriate documentation in place. And we don't want I to see. retrospectively go in and put it in because now that you know this, it's abusing the system. But learning, okay, this one was probably not paid for these reasons. Moving forward, when you have that, do this, this, and this. So <laughs> as I go through that process, I became a little insecure when I was broadcasting the claims that I was going to show people. I did a scaling root planning on this patient. I did a crown on this patient. And I was afraid people would question and say, why did you do that? I would have done a filling or I would have done a prophy. And then I realized that everything was paid. It was considered medically necessary. So I figured through this process, there's going to be some clinical discussion with the clinical team members saying, I would have done different treatment. And I think that'll be great to have a discussion with another provider and say, your clinical judgment will dictate the type of treatment you do, but maybe we need to have a discussion as a team about appropriate treatment planning or what periodontitis actually is, because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there are new codes that are released every year to fit more gray areas. And when I trained, there wasn't that D4346 code. So a lot of scaling and root planings that are denied may fit into the D4346 code category, but this isn't really taught anywhere. I, it may be in the dental schools now, but before that code came into um, play, it wasn't taught to me. I went to a CE on it, but I was working for a DSO, so it was a different environment. And I just have a lot of education that I can give, and I hope that I have the chance to work with the team on verbiage. That was one of the things I loved, and we worked on it a lot with you and your team mm -hmm. um, and you coaching us. And we just want to make sure that patients understand why they're having the treatment they are and then the importance of returning for follow-up treatment. And then also, will your benefits plan actually reimburse for this? Or is it a benefit, a dental benefit that you will have by having the treatment done, but you're investing in your oral health? So I hope I get to work with an office on verbiage, but my main claim to fame, not to be a pun, is going to be walking through that claim reimbursement process and explaining what happens mm -hmm. in the mythical black box of the insurance company so you can optimize your reimbursement rate. That's so, that's so powerful. 
I'm sure there are people who've done this. I've never stumbled on them, but, but I like how you went over there and learned about it. And now you brought it back and teaching other dentists how to be successful in it. I, I did have one final question. If I were, if I were me and I, I have insight into the practice, what KPIs am I looking for? Or if I'm a dentist, what, 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 indicator should I be looking for that I have a problem? Like, should I be getting, is it, is it claim approval? Is it mm -hmm. percentage approved? Like, like what would the KPIs be or, 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 you mm -hmm. know, some, some metric to, to call you to be like, okay, I have a 68% or 92%, mm -hmm. you know, thing about the thing. It's an excellent question. And one that I pondered a lot because now that I I've been an entrepreneur and then I've gone and I've been more of an entrepreneur. So that entrepreneurial spirit working for other companies, not necessarily the enemy, because I think insurance companies just misunderstood They're They really do want to pay out these benefits. And a lot of times they actually just want to accept things as long as you make the appropriate submission. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just their policies and provisions aren't broadcasted anywhere. And I am applying for a position where I'm hoping that I can also bring clinical alignment there where I can help make those policies and provisions a little bit more um, visible to the provider's office because they're not secrets. It's just nobody's teaching to it. In the business realm, we're always focused on return on investment. Dentists aren't necessarily um, focused on that. And I don't know if it's different in your experience, but without a return on investment, nobody wants to do anything. I mean, yes, we're good natured. We want our claims paid. Um, we want to be paid for what we do, which is a tagline I've been trying to use. But we want to see ultimately a return on our investment, whether it's financial or time. So I have actually made a return on investment schematic that is in relation to how many crowns someone would be doing in a month to see a return on their investment in my coaching practices. Uh, same thing for scaling and route planning. But I've also been partnering with some of the local lenders in the area, and they have been saying to me, if someone's acquiring a practice, exactly like you said, what is a report that they could pull? And part of my discovery call is working with either the dentist that I'm doing this discovery call with or the front office, um, maybe office manager, administrative team member. And specifically, I want to know how many D4341s they're doing, D4342s, so the scaling and root cleanings, the full quadrant or the isolated, <laughs> and the age on these patients. I want to know also if they're doing any 4346s because that'll give me some insight into immediately they will see benefit by me coming in and helping them because those 4341s are notoriously challenging to have reimbursed. And I'd like to just make sure they are billing appropriately. We sometimes default thinking there's calculus everywhere. This is going to be a tough cleaning. It is a generalized deep cleaning, but there may actually only be enough um, radiographic evidence for someone that's not chair side to agree to a limited. Limited is better than not getting anything. Sure. Yeah. So those are numbers that I can actually get a good pulse on the practice and then get an idea of how many crowns and how many buildups they're doing, because buildups are notoriously hard to have reimbursed if they're not um, submitted correctly. There's actually another code. It's not reimbursed, but a lot of times when a core buildup is denied, it's because you're actually doing a D2494 and it's more of a block out um, or a filler. So I have a couple things that I'd like to inquire about to see how I can take an office to the next level, not just give them the education on these are the things that are reviewed for, but really let me help you take it to the next level, have a more predictable claim reimbursement process 
and bill truly for what you're doing and have the documentation in place to support it. That's great. I, okay. I have one, one more final, final question. So final, final, final. It's the how does, yeah. How does someone get in touch with you? Google so, Fafidio Consulting Group, and yeah. I'll, I'll link out to the stuff, but in, in your own words, go ahead. Yes, uh, Group. Not that easy to spell, so thank you for link, linking it out. But it's F is in Frank, U, F again, I-D-I-O, not like Sosa Studio, Fafidio, consultinggroup.com. And there's a contact page uh, if anyone has questions. There's a chat feature. I love the website that's hosting me because I can actually answer the chat feature. And, um, of course, there's email. And then you can just... Um, schedule the discovery call because a lot of these things we need to have a conversation and the hmm. office needs to feel comfortable with me helping take them to the next level because it's a two-way street. I need to have trust from them because I want to help them. So they have to be open and transparent with me and open to hearing and learning. Well, I wish you the best. I was always impressed at how you ran your office uh, and, and how much you cared about the patient experience and the brand and you know, I, I just thought you were an amazing dentist and an amazing CEO. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you're taking the next step and I wish you the best. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And I always love what pain-free dental marketing has done. I really enjoyed coming to your town hall meeting that time. Mm -hmm. I'm really mm -hmm. happy that you're doing these because I think you have a lot of good information to get out there. So thank you for what you guys are doing and thanks no. for having me. You bet. Any, any time, any time.